All right, grab your worship guide. If you would, turn to the center. You're going to need to take some notes today, all right? We're uh, concluding our series we've called Asking for a Friend. And if you're kind of unfamiliar with the series, I'm going to tell you more about that in just a moment. But I also want to just take uh, some time to familiarize you with your worship guide. If you open it, you see a little letter from me on the inside, a place to take some notes right in the center. And then there is a connection card. It's perforated for you because you can take some time to fill out the card. If you're worshiping with us for the very first time, I always like to say, hey, I'm going to give you the hassle-free guarantee. I will not call today. I will not interrupt your saints game. If you're not rooting for the saints, I will be praying for you during that time. It's okay. Uh, But I want to encourage you to fill out the connection card. It's the easiest way for us to take care of you. And and if you do, I'm going to give you what we call around here the hassle-free guarantee. I'm going to go old school. If you fill out the card, I will send you snail mail, a real letter this week saying, welcome to our church. Here's how you can get plugged in. Here's how you can find your way around here. And so somewhere during the service, take a moment to fill that out if you would. And at the end, we'll pass a bucket by during our closing song. You'll be able to drop that connection card in there. You'll also notice that you got one of these invitations because next week we are turning five. Anybody excited about that? Come on. We're turning five as a church and uh, uh, you're actually at, you're here at the right time. I I had to break it to the 9 a.m. service that if they show up at nine next week, they're going to be disappointed. All right. Because church next week is one big service, one big party. And so I want to encourage you to show up early. I want to encourage you to kind of plan to make room for others. We're going to have every seat available. We're also going to be opening up our stadium seating in the back there. Some of you didn't know that's there. And so you're going to be sitting up high, closer to the Lord, if you show up late, all right? And so that's what you'll say. You know, I got here late, but I'm closer to Jesus right now than the people on the floor, okay? But uh, but I want to encourage you to make time for that. It's going to be a time afterwards where you could also invite some friends because we're going to have inflatables and we're doing like wedding-style reception where you got the meat in the corner and the red beans over here and you can kind of make your way. It's going to be a great day of just fun after service and a few surprises for you as well. So make sure that you use the invitation so that you know it's 1030 next week, so come early. But then also, I want to just say, make room for those folks that you're going to be inviting. Grab some invitations today and kind of pull them in because I believe it's one of our greatest opportunities to celebrate Jesus, what he's done, but also to show people what God has done in our lives. And many, many will get saved this coming weekend because you opened your heart to God, all right? And because you are willing to invite someone. So let's jump into the conclusion of our series. We've called the series Asking for a Friend because we're just asking questions that you wouldn't want to ask for yourself because you might be a little embarrassed, but you want to, oh, hey, I'm asking for a friend. And we kicked off the first message with, can you still have fun in church? How many of y'all, how many of y'all believe you can still have fun in church? Anybody here? Anybody here? Okay. All right. Uh, this section seems a little bit more like they're ready. How about y'all? Can you still have fun in church over here? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe the part, I'm a little, I'm caught between, how about y'all in the middle? Anybody here believe you can have fun in church? That's where the party's at, all right? The rest of y'all, the rest of y'all need to follow them right there, right? But you can, you can laugh. It's one of our values that we laugh and we have fun. And, and listen, there are serious things, absolutely. And we'll talk about character and growing, but uh, you know, laughter is like medicine, right? And, and, and the words of Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, okay? And, and so we just believe that's one of our values. That was week number one. Week number two, we jumped into one of the most important questions in this season of life, and that is, how do you overcome depression? How do I help a friend who's considering suicide? And, and listen, can I just tell you, if you have someone or you are struggling in one of those areas, can I just tell you, go back, listen to the message, because we're a, a church of people who recognize that mental health is a real issue, and we can love people and care about people and talk about it, and we can grow into a healthy place. Amen, everybody? Okay, and that was week number two. Got serious right there. 
Last week, I, I, I brought to the stage the best-looking person in my world, everybody. How many of y'all know my beautiful wife joined me on stage, and we just, we went through question after question, like, where did the dinosaurs come from, and uh, what do you do about, you know, one of y'all asked, you know, like, well, you know, you know when, when should we do this in marriage and not do that in marriage, and I'm like, man, y'all, y'all went all out. So last week was like 30 questions that you asked. It was all over the place. It was lots of fun. Today, I want to wrap up the series with a simple question, and that is, Who, who is church really for? Let me say it to you this way. What and who is church really for? Like, why do we do this? And and why do we come together like this? And is this really what God always intended? I don't know about you, early in my faith, being a preacher's kid, uh, there's lots of tension in our family surrounding Christianity and which church we were supposed to go to and how you defined it and what it was supposed to look like. And so I grew up very early on asking lots of questions. And there were questions like this, you know, is church, is church just a building on a corner? Is church an, an organization? Is, is church, as the government says, a 501c3? You know, like, is, that, is that what church is? Or is church none of those things? Is church really what God intended to be something more, something better? And I begin to realize that, that a building is an outcome. An organization is an outcome. A, 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 an environment is an outcome of a people. We say it like this, that that church isn't a building, church is people, right? It's us, it's you and I, and yeah, it's nice to have a little air condition. How many of y'all enjoyed 74 degrees this morning, right? I broke out my jacket for y'all, ironed my shirt, I'm like 74, I'm bringing out the good stuff, all right? I I don't like to sweat in my coat, how about you, you know? So we're coming out of summer, praise God, and then tomorrow, it'll be 90, (laughs) But you, you begin to ask questions like, well, what is this all about? And why, why do we do the things that we do? And what I've come to realize is that so many of us really don't know what church is really for or who church is really for. But I also want you to know that Jesus, at the core of what he began, was a movement that he called the church. He spoke about it very, very clearly. Going to be on screen, Matthew 16 and 18. I want you to read it with me, full voice in the room. Going, every person here, say it with me. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will build my church. I love this. Jesus got passionate. He said, this is why I'm here. I will build my church. Church, when we were trying to, to translate the, the uh, New Testament of the Bible, which was written in Greek to English, we didn't have a good English word for church. We didn't have a good English word for what the, the Greek word was actually. So we borrowed a German word, the German word Kirke, which literally means a building. And so most of us grew up at church is just that's, that's an old building on the corner. Church is so on this particular street. No, no. We borrowed a German word to get an English word. The actual word that Jesus used in the, the Greek language is the word ecclesia. Write it on, it'll be on screen for you. An ecclesia doesn't mean building. Ecclesia means a movement of people. The building is an outcome. A building isn't what we are. If we're a building, we're dead, we're cold, and we're stuck. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's a whole message right there. You know, like, we're, we can't go anywhere, we can't do anything, we're, 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 we're not what we're supposed to be. And then what happened is because we, we misdefined it, we misunderstood it, we became something that was stuck in a past generation. You ever walked in the church and thought, man, man, where, where, where are they at? Is it 1970 still? You know, like, a, oh, where, where, where do they miss that, that, that we're growing as a people? 
When Jesus walked up and says, I will build, he said, I will build a movement of people. I will build a group of people who are moving towards some particular things. And right after Jesus rose from the dead, he showed up and started kind of, kind of messing with the disciples a little bit, but he showed up to remind them just what he told them before he went to the cross. He showed up just like you would maybe sit with someone that was passing away, and they grab your hand and they say, before I go, take care of your mom. Before I go, make sure that you, you make this business deal. Make sure before I go that you take care of these fi- the final words of Jesus. Before he actually ascended into heaven, he came back around and said, hey, everybody, let me remind you what this is about. And he defines the movement as a movement of people, and this is what we are, a movement of people focused on fulfilling the final words of Jesus. See, we're not, just, we're not just moving about. No, no, we're moving about with a particular target. We know what we're supposed to do because Jesus, he spelled it out. As we say down in the South, the Cajun land, what we say, we explain it to him, right? <laughs> we told him the truth. Here, here's where we find Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, They worshiped him, but some doubted. This is telling us this is the moment that he's actually come out of the tomb. And we read in other parts of the Bible that that doubting Thomas, he had to walk up and say, Thomas, look at my hands, look at my side. Some worshiped, some doubted. This is where we find ourselves in our world. We engage with God in the church, some worship and some doubt. Some express faith and some begin to fall into this other mindset that they're not sure. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority, everyone? Come on, say it with me. All, all authority. How much authority does he have to save the world? He has all authority to heal, to bring hope, to work in our lives. And then he says this pivotal line. So therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus walks up and says, listen, before I left, I told you I was going to go to the cross and I was going to pay for the sins of mankind. And now that I have done that and I've been resurrected, I'm here to remind you that there's more to life and I've called you to be the church that the gates of hell cannot overcome. I've called you to be a movement of people that's focused on my final words. And when you, when you figure out what those final words are, all of a sudden your faith is so much more fulfilling Because unfortunately, we've let the world define what it's supposed to look like. We've let the world define what it's supposed to be like, and we've missed what God really had for us. So just for a moment, I want to take you like you're, can I just take you to Bible school, everybody? Well, I'm going to give you the theological term that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 28. Most uh, theologians refer to that passage of scripture as the great commission. It's the great commission from God saying, you should live your lives for this. Here's the first thing he said to them. He said, I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. In scripture, that's the word, the theological term is evangelizing. Now, that's not really a popular word. Like, we don't really walk around and say, hey, you're an evangelist. How many of y'all remember some of those TV evangelists from back in the day, right? Anybody seen those? When I think evangelist, I think of a bad suit and crazy hair. How about you? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about taking, evangelism is taking the good news you've been told and going to tell somebody else about the good news. 
That good news is that God is not counting men's sins against them right now. That good news is that God is not here to judge the world, that he sent his son in order to save the world. Now, there is a judgment day, and I'm here to prepare you for it, all right? I'm here to be your guide to make sure that you meet that day, and it's a judgment in your favor. But today, God is not judging the world. Right now, God is, he sent his son to reconcile the world to himself. God is saving the world. And so, he, the first thing he says, I need you to go make some disciples. I need you to get out there. The second thing he mentions is baptizing them. Baptizing them is helping them to leave their past. Baptism is a physical picture of going in the water, leaving your old life and coming out. And the theological term we use this is pastoring. We, we pastor people. In the understanding of Jesus' day, pastoring, what a shepherd would do is he would pastor his flock. And what a shepherd comes along and does with his flock is says, hey, hey, that water is stagnant. That water's not moving. It's not good for you. No, no, drink water over here where the water's moving. No, 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 that, you know, this is where you should eat. Hey, that's bad grass. You don't want bad grass, all right? Like, I, that's not going to be good for you. you. No, no, you need to focus, eat over here. Pastoring is where he said, I want you to get involved in people's lives to help them to, to leave the old things so that they can have God's best thing. How many of y'all know you got to say no to some things in order for God to say yes to the best things? Come on, if you want God's best in your life, you're going to have to say no to a few things that the world says is the best, and what you're going to find is that the world is always a copy of what God is. They don't have anything on Jesus. Amen, everybody? They don't have anything on him. The third thing that he mentions, is he says, I want you to teach them to obey. And all throughout Scripture, this is the term discipling. Discipling. You become a disciple. Jesus said, I don't want followers. I want disciples. Listen, Instagram followers aren't going to get you to heaven, everybody, all right? Like, Facebook followers aren't going to get you to heaven. No, no, you have to have this point where it goes beyond admirer of God, like, 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 no, 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 to teaching you to obey God. There's a point where this faith, you recognize that he's not just a savior, he's Lord. It's a pivotal part in your faith because initially when you meet him, it's like, oh, you're not counting my sins against me. Praise God, I I get saved. It feels so refreshing and life-giving. But yes, the next day you have to start learning to be like him. The word disciple literally defined means a disciplined learner of God. You become a a disciplined learner of God. And so he says, I want you to do this. This 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 is what my final words look like. Last thing was actually the first thing he said. He says, therefore, therefore go, therefore go to them. And this is what we see all throughout scripture where he's sending, he's sending us to go places we've never gone before to tell people about a God who's not counting men's sins against them. He said, I want you to, I want you to understand that when you become a disciple and you get baptized and God begins to help you to grow and you begin to move forward in your life, all of a sudden there's some things that change in your life and you begin to move forward and you begin to follow him, you begin to look like him and all of a sudden everything you touch, everything you, you're involved with begins to grow because God is with you. Now, I, I want to I kind of break this down to very basic things because sometimes when you, you write down the theological term, you're like, oh, that's great. Thanks for that, you know? Hey, what happened at church today? Well, I got a Greek lesson, you know? It, it doesn't really wow people at lunch. How many of y'all know that, right? How many of y'all know, like, Greek is still Greek to me? Still learning. I'm gonna take the, the very same things but break them down for you because here's the deal. Any church that follows Jesus Christ, any church that makes, says he's Lord and Savior and follows the Bible, you know what they're doing? They're living for those same four things that Jesus mentioned. If you found a pastor in the city and said, well, what are we doing? Pastor, he said, well, we're, you know, we're fulfilling the final words of Jesus. Praise God. You know what makes us different is how we do it. 
It's much like, you know, two restaurants. You find one restaurant and, and they, they, they've got steak and they cook steak, but one, when they cook steak, makes you want to go back and have it. How many of y'all been there, right? How many of y'all have seen a perfectly good piece of meat go to waste? What happens? Because sometimes you can have the same things right across the street from one another, but how you interact with them and how you engage with them changes the culture. Let me, let me really be plain with you. You got one church on one corner, one church on the other corner. They both believe in Jesus, both preach for the same Bible. One's dying, one's growing. What's the difference? It's not, not what they believe, it's how they're living out what they believe. It's like, it's like going to a place and expecting great things, but they didn't take care and plan on it. They didn't do the extra. My favorite analogy for you all is when I get a nectar cream snowball. You know that there are some places that proclaim that they have great nectar cream snowballs. How many of y'all know that every place doesn't have a great snowball? I'm not going to give any names right now, but if you need to know, talk to me afterwards, all right? Some people believe in more nectar than they do cream. That's a problem. Some people, when you say extra condensed milk, they don't get it figured out. And I don't go back. Is this okay? I just compared church to a snowball stand. I'm sorry. I can be that shallow sometimes. (laughs) That's why I need Jesus, okay? It's one of the simplest things. You know that the things that you need are there, are available, but a lot of times it's the expression or how. It's how. And what we have focused on so much is clarity in what Jesus said to do, but also not just doing what he said to do, but doing it the way he did it. And what that means is we take in those four, same four things, and let's dial it back to what, how do we do those? And I want you to write them down with me. We do those same four things. So we have worship services for evangelizing all people. Worship services for evangelizing all people because Sunday is much like Jesus just preaching on a hill. It's not about a building. This isn't a club. This isn't a special club. You don't have to, you you know, oh, you can come in. You know what? No, no, no. It's none of those things. It's Jesus walking along and saying, hey, my father's not counting men's sins against him. He's not going to count your past. He's not here to cover you in shame and guilt. No, no, no. We're here to celebrate a God who forgives, a God who saves, and a God who has a future for your life, a God that designed you for better. Y'all follow me today? Come on, I'll preach it. Amen, pastor. Okay, all right. Y'all are slow today. I don't know. But here's the deal. Sometimes we, we miss what this is about. We think church is for believers. Church isn't for believers. The church is believers. Y'all hear me today? See, it's not for us. It is an expression of us. And if our expression is good, there's lots of condensed milk on top. Amen, everybody? If our expression is good, there's, there's content, there's, there's value, there's, thing, there's sustenance for your soul, but there's also the ability to find joy and favor in the middle of it. And so when Jesus came along and they didn't have a building to go to, he just began the word spread and people would come, all people from all backgrounds who had all sorts of issues would come to the same place to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is for. How, how, how do we, how do we uh, pastor people? Well, small groups. Because here's what I need you to know. If you're looking for me to solve all of your issues, I've got issues of my own. I, I can't solve all of your issues. But if you recognize that God has put us in a family where everyone in the family has something to offer, to care for, and to serve, and make a difference, you realize that the pastoring you need is going to come with the people around you. Listen, if I went down the list and had to pray for every single name, every single one of you every day, that's all I would do. 
<laughs> Some of you say, well, that would be a good thing to do, Pastor. <laughs> you know what I decided to do is I'd raise up an army of people who would pray. And so I would pray for a few, and they would pray for a few, and you'd get prayed for a whole lot more. you get a lot more care. You get a, listen, it's one of the best things we do is because we're not a church with groups, we're a church of groups. This is who we are. And so how do we pastor people? It's like, yes, I'm here to kind of lead us to a direction, but it's not all on me. I'm not the only minister in the place. We're a church full of ministers who are pastoring and caring for and being there for people all throughout the week. In order to pastor someone, do you have to have it all figured out? No. Do you have to be perfect? No. (laughs) Because if we do, I'm out. Okay, I'm done. Can't do this job. What is it? What is it? It's an environment where we, we kind of say, oh, no, <laughs> that's bad grass over there. <laughs> Don't do that. No, no, over here. Third thing we do to help people is we, we, we have next steps for discipling all people. See, because there's a point where you begin to be a disciple, and the way that you grow as a disciple is you start putting one foot in front of the other. You start growing. You start engaging with the world. You start interacting with the people, and you say, no, no, I've got to grow. I've got to take steps. Can I tell you, some of you, it's time for you to grow. It's time for you to take some steps in your faith, not a next steps class. That's the begin all, not the end all. The class is to declare to you that you gotta start taking steps in your life. You have to start growing. And listen, if you have great dreams of doing great things in your life and the calling of God is big, you're never gonna get there in one step. It's gonna take many. How many of you remember maybe when you were in high school or college you thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through college and I'm going to come out and then I'm going to be and you fill in the blank and then you went all the way through college and you came through and you're like, well, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and all of a sudden it's like four years later and you're like, and I'm going to be a... <laughs> Why? Because you thought it was going to be one certificate or one test or one and you're done. But it's not. My son recently uh, told me that, you know, he, wanted to, he, he was going to, you know, <laughs> this is so embarrassing but it's funny. <laughs> It's like, you know, he, he was gonna, you know, he was gonna dance, you know, like he was gonna, like some, one of these bands was dancing. He's like, you know, dad, I can, I can do that. I said, you can do that? He said, I can do it. I, th- I think, I mean, I can, I can do what Justin Timberlake does. And I didn't wanna be, I didn't wanna destroy the dreams of my son. <laughs> but I also seen him dance. And so I said, turn it on, bro. Show, show it to me. Let's go. Get the song. Turn it on. Show me what you got. You know? <laughs> you know? Next thing you know, we got some song on the living room that I'm not going to sing to you right now because I can't, you know? And, uh, and I know where my gifts lie, all right? And it ain't in dancing and singing, all right? And he begins to, yeah, break it down like it should never be brought down, you know? <laughs> son, son, men don't move that way, all right? You know? And some ladies shouldn't either, all right? Hold another message, all right? <laughs> here's, here's the naivety of a child. The naivety of a child is like everything's one decision, I'm there. Hey, I prayed that prayer, I'm going to heaven. No, 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 yes. You expressed your faith in God, but now is a new day. Now you gotta take steps. You gotta grow, you gotta grow. That's all we gotta do. Number four, the fourth thing, how, how do we do the things that Jesus did? Is that we have serve teams for going. Serve teams are just an expression, a way to get out, a a way to to recognize that God said, therefore, go. That if you're staying back, you're going to be missing out on God's fulfillment for your life. And listen, if you're only going to do one of the four things that we do, you're going to miss out on the fulfillment of the final words of Jesus. You're going to miss out on the, the joy of recognizing that there's more than just an hour on Sunday. 
I love, I love this time. This is Jesus or somebody who's trying to be like Jesus preaching on the hill. I'm not him yet, but I'm growing, taking steps, doing everything I can to look more like him than looking like me. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. I'm trying to do all that I can to example the way for you, but what I realize is somewhere in the process, somewhere in the process, through experience or pain or frustration, we misunderstand what this was always supposed to be. And we have these questions like, well, what is this even for? There's a whole world around us that's like, church, who wants church? Church is just an angry people. They're judgmental people. They're, they're, they're pretenders. They're, they're hypocrites. They fill in all these blanks. And what they don't know is, is that they've let the world define church as a building that's cold and stuck and doesn't know what to do with itself. But if you come back, come back to the simple definition that God has called us to be alive, to live and move begins to change everything in your expression and how you engage with this. Begins to change how you feel about the future of your life and what it means to really be a Christian in our world. And you realize that you don't have to be a closet Christian because you have something that the world is longing for. The substitute won't work. The building isn't the answer. You are. You are. The people around you that seem like their lives are falling apart are in desperate need of you just saying, Jesus is the way. It's not. (laughs) You're not going to make it, SJT, son. (laughs) I love you. That ain't going to work for you. God's called you to do even greater things. And so... In this misconception and, and misinformed world that we are, we have all these, you know, we, we think, okay, well, church is just an hour on Sunday. Just an hour on Sunday. That's all it is. Well, that's not what it is. Church is you. And, and if it's only an hour on Sunday, then, then you're only being what you're supposed to be an hour rather than living it out your entire life, rather than being what God intended you to be in every situation. We've also, we've also allowed some people to kind of hijack what this is supposed to be and they, they get their latest revelation and they begin to make church all about their latest revelation. How many of y'all know that, that, that God only burned one bush to reach Moses? That's why we don't have a burning bush ministry. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Certain people have these moments with God, and then they, they, they begin to like, they round that mountain for the rest of their lives. Y'all know the apostle Paul prayed for handkerchiefs one time, and, and he gave the handkerchief to someone, and they were healed. And then we've turned this into some sort of a gimmick where you can give 1995, and I'll give you a handkerchief that'll heal your life. Are y'all okay with this? How many of y'all know that ain't church? That ain't, that's, listen, uh, using the gospel for financial gain is not what God intended this to be. Amen, everybody? Come on now. This is the party side now, okay? Y'all are lacking, all right? <laughs> so we, we, you know, we make it about a person sometimes rather than about the son of God. Y'all know that I'm human? Y'all know that my kids need Jesus still? I mean, don't put them on a pedestal. Don't put me on one. I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. As a leader, should I be ahead? Yes, absolutely. But a leader doesn't mean I've arrived. A leader means I'm looking back and saying, that worked out really good for me. Go this way. None of us have arrived until we see Jesus face to face. Oh, glory. What What that day will look like one day when we can see him face to face. It'll be a great day. 
So we, we've gotten confused. We've made it about a man. We've made it about a funny revelation, you know, like, oh, you know, that, the, the, the church of handkerchiefs, you know, like it's just foolishness. We've, we've made it about all these other things. And, and, and somewhere in the process, then we, we just, we start letting it grow and grow. And we try to get all of God in one moment with God. And that's when church started getting long. You know that? You know, <laughs> how many of y'all grew up in a church that was a good two and a half, three hours? Come on, show me those hands out there, right? Come on, where are my black folk at right now? Come on, <laughs> oh, you get three hours in and you start, you know, like, and you're just like, when, when are we going to even preach? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then he starts to preach and then you're like, what's going on after that? And then, and then you're like, uh, and then elder so-and-so starts giving the, the financial sermon. <laughs> By hour three, I don't even know if I want Jesus anymore. I had this. This was a real deal experience. A, a friend of mine, when I was in ministry college, uh, he grew up, I had only visited a few times, and he, he grew up in just old school, just black church. I mean, just like, I mean, just gospel, and he, he invited me to preach, and I was like, I was ready to go, you know, and when the first hour went by, I was like, when am I going to preach, you know, and like, when the second hour went back, I'm like, I'm tired already, y'all. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Can I do this? Is this all right? <laughs> you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to take all of the final words of Jesus and get it all in one spot. They're trying to get all the fulfillment in one moment instead of recognizing that God's got environments and experiences. He's got places for you to get all of what he has for you. And when you're trying to get on Sunday morning, which you're supposed to be getting in a small group, and when you're, what you're trying to get in a small group, you're trying to get on Sunday morning, and instead of taking steps, you're like, oh, this church is not helping me to grow. Hey, can I just encourage you? If you're not reading your Bible, you don't want to grow. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but it's true. I normally would say that won't make it to the next service, all right? But this is the next service. Listen, it's time for you to break out the Bible and read the book of John because you can hear the story of God. God sending his son. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God and the word dwelt among us and became flesh. You read the story of who Jesus is and then you go from John to the book of Acts and you begin to, to read the story of the church and what the church is supposed to be and you realize that it was never a building. It was never a building. It was never supposed to be cold and stale and boring. It was always supposed to be alive talking about nectar cream snowballs on Sunday. It was always supposed to be about better things. And then, and then I want you to go to the book of Romans begin to read what it means to go down the Romans road and understand that without God, you're depraved. Without God, you're ungodly. Without God, you're in sin. With God, you can become the righteousness of God. And you begin to learn a healthy theology and you begin to take steps and you begin to understand that God predestined you before time to be here and now to live out a message to the world around you. You begin to live differently. I I'm asking every one of you to read the book of John, the book of Acts, the books of Romans right now. Just read right now. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Grow. Grow. I've got to close. I want to tell you, here's what I'm asking. Four things, and I'm going to read verses to you, okay? But I'm, I'm asking you for four things, and I'm going to give you just clear verses because this is not my good idea. This is God's. The first thing I'm asking for is, number one, I'm asking for one hour of evangelism in your life. One hour where instead of having an empty seat next to you, you find somebody who needs to come into a room and go, what in the world is going on right here? And they begin to see the people of God and hear about Jesus preaching on a hill and they begin to experience the presence of God in a moment in worship and they don't know why, but they know they want it. I mean, ask, I'm, just, I'm just asking, one hour, make church a priority and don't come alone. Take a fistful of those five-year celebration cards and say, you ain't going to want to miss this. 
And can I just tell you, if the place gets too full, those of you who call it home, sit somewhere else. Sit on the side, sit on the stage, sit on the floor. Why? Because we're not here for us. Church isn't about believers. Church is believers. Are all following me today? It's not about your seat even. Oh, I, gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was not, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, come on, say, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Hey, he's not counting my sins. He won't count yours. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Here's the second thing I'm asking you to do is to find one hour of pastoral ministry. Some of you, you've been drinking water in the wrong place. You've been eating bad grass. Come on, that's funnier than y'all laughed at every time, right? You're, you're in the wrong place doing the wrong things, and you need to come along someone's, alongside someone and say, hey, pastor, help me. You need to get in a small group. You need to find one and say, you know what? I'm going to help them, and they're going to help me, and we're going to do this together. Because here's Ephesians 4.11. Here's what it says. It says, he gave, him, he gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. I can't do it all. Our staff can't do it all. It takes all of us being the ministers that God called us to be. He's called us to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is why he did it, all right? Now listen, you may, uh, as I feel at time, you may feel incompetent. You may feel like, well, pastor, I don't know if I have the best things. Listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Where's your competency come from? It comes from God. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You feel incompetent? So do I. So do I. Praise God, He uses me in spite of my incompetence. He'll use you the same. Number three, I'm asking for one hour of taking steps to become a disciple. I'm asking for one hour. Just find an hour. It's time for you to find an hour to start growing and, and moving forward. You have to become a disciple. Acts 11 and 26 says, For an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. How do you become a Christian? You got to be a disciple. You can't be a follower. You got to be a disciple. You got to be a disciplined learner of God. It's your time. It's now. It's now. Now, listen, when you begin to grow in this capacity, you're going to begin to see you've got issues and you've got areas where like, man, I really don't love people like I'm supposed to love people. Ever, ever had that revelation? You ever came alongside somebody and said, I like them, but man, I really don't love them. You know, like I'm trying to do the best I can. Listen, when you begin to grow, you're going to recognize that there are gaps in who you are and that's what's supposed to happen. That's why God is our Father, and He's a loving Father saying, hey, I want you to grow here. Pastor Yonggi Cho, who pastors the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea, uh, near 700,000 to a million people uh, are, are part of their church and worship with them, and he is known as a, a man of prayer. Like, he just spends hours a day praying, three, four hours a day. Something I'm like, man, that's a lot of prayer. 
And someone asked him why he prayed so much. Why, like, why, why, did he, why did he spend so much time doing that? And he says, I, I, I pray so much because I hate so much. He said, I pray so much because I hate so many people. <laughs> and I thought, man, what a revelation. What a revelation that a man who's leading one of the largest churches in the world would recognize that there's still things in him that need to change. Y'all follow me today? That they would lead somebody and say, no, no, there's still some things in me. On my best day, I'm still not Jesus. And neither are you. Amen, everybody? And it's all right. We got grace for that. We got grace for that. All right? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, if I could speak all the language of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Our world needs the love of God expressed through us. Our world needs it. Here's the last one we close today. Number four, I'm asking for one hour of serving to make a difference. And listen, this is what our movement is about, fulfilling the final words of Jesus. And some of you, you're coming to church, but you feel so unfulfilled on Tuesday. You know why? Because you haven't given of yourself in such a way that it wasn't about you or somebody else. And listen, when you rock a baby so that a mom can get saved on Sunday or you show up and take care of parking or you lead a small group, when you take that one hour to make a difference, you're tired when you go to bed, but you're, it's a good tired. It's a tired because you made a difference for eternity. Jesus called them together in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25 and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love that Jesus didn't point out our flaws. He climbed to the bottom of the pile of humanity and began to push us up. That's what we're called to do. As we close, who is church really for? Church is for all, it's for all people. We're for all people. The building doesn't care. We're for people. How do we used to sing it back in Sunday school? Red and yellow, black and white. They are what? Precious in his sight. Every person that's here today, God loves you, God cares about you. We could care less about the chair. We could care less. No, no, no. We want excellence. We want to do what's right. We want to do our best. But it's about you. And it's about the world around us in desperate need of him. So what should we do? As we close today, 2 Peter 3 and 9 tells us the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. So what should we do? See, God is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to be the church. So Romans 10 tells us what we should do. He says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who can ask them to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Church, I'm calling you to stop coming to church. I'm calling you to be the church. I'm calling you to recognize that every one of us is called to reach the world around us with the love of God. And maybe you aren't ready to, to share the gospel, but if you get them here, I'll share the gospel with you. If you'll get them here and you bring them in, let's partner together. You get them here and I say every head bowed and every eye closed. 
And I, here's what I'll, I'll do. I give you permission to peek on that Sunday, all right? When you've got your friend sitting next to you, every head bowed, every eye closed, you peek. And when they lift their hand and they pray their prayer and those tears start coming down their eyes and they realize that they're forgiven, it'll be the best Sunday of your life. Because it'll be the Sunday that you realize that this isn't about me. It's all about him. Would you bow with me as we close today? Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've been hearing about the gospel, but you've never made Jesus your Lord, this is your opportunity. If you've been sensing God draw you to him, this is your moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I will not ask you to stand or come to the front. But if you're here today and you're far from God and you want to get close to him, all you have to do is pray. All you have to do is invite him in. I'll say the words. You whisper it right after me. Come on, say these words. Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.